Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Francis Richards. Known as the credit alchemist, he educates communities about the importance of credit, financial literacy, and leveraging credit to acquire funding to create wealth and do things like live for free or start a business for free. Welcome, Michael Benjamin. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, everything that I've read about you creating wealth, doing things that I like, living for free, starting business for free, all of them are just amazing. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps? Share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and your business. Yeah, so my name is Michael Benjamin. I'm the CEO of Consumer Ammunition Tactics, or CAT, basically where we leverage your credit. And as far as me, I've been in the financial space for quite a while. When I was back when I was 23 years old, I paid off my student loans within one year of graduation. So I always had like a money management to myself. And then I got into the credit space and I just realized the fact of the matter of how we weren't taught a lot of these things growing up, such as like leveraging your credit for manufactured spending, which is basically turning credit to cash. And I actually launched um, a manufactured spending course that launched today. And it just basically allows people to live for free how they should. The foundation as far as starting businesses for free and just doing anything for free is credit. So I just recommend that everybody, especially within our community, focuses on their credit. If you don't know what your credit report looks like, then that's an issue. You got to go pull it, go to freeannualcreditreport.com. You can get all three of your credit reports for free until April 2022. You can do it once a week. Um, you can download the Experian app. You can you can sign up with Experian. You can download the Credit Karma app and things like that. So, I mean, the main thing about me, I'm just here to help people with their credit. Uh, we have a website where we're educating people to do it for themselves and they can get with us for us to help them do it. But yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Tell us about the course you said it launched. Yes, ma'am. It's called Cat Manufactured Spending Secrets, MS Secrets. And how do they get information about that? Yeah, so I know not everybody knows what manufactured spending is. So like I was saying earlier, manufactured spending is pretty much turning credit to cash. So it, an example, the simplest example I can give is like if I have a $10,000 credit card, I have one with Alliant Credit Union, a Visa signature card, and you get 2.5% cash back every time you spend it. So if I max out that $10,000 uh, through one of the manufacturer spending tactics I discussed in the course, $10,000, 2.5% cash back, that's $250, but you're not actually spending the money. So you're essentially getting free money off of having good credit. As far as the course, if people are interested and they want to tap in, they can go to catacticsllc.com, catacticsllc.com. If they click on courses, it'll take them down directly to Cat MS Secrets course. And um, because, you know, I just launched it, I wanted to do something special for the people. The course is $1,000, but if you use the code CATMS22, for the first 22 people that use the code, you're going to get $900 off, $97. 
Wow, that is a bargain. So I'm going to have you say that again for those that are listening. So if they jump in, they can get um, a discount. So you're helping us save money. I'm helping people save money. Yeah, so most definitely if you go to catacticsllc.com, you can click on courses on our website. It'll take you down to Cat MS Secrets and then at checkout. Um, if if you're still one of the first 22 people, you can type in Cat MS 22. You're gonna get $900 off. You'll get the course for less than $100. But even more so, if you're not convinced about anything, we have. If you go under our DIY products, we have a free MS 101 guide, and it just educates you on a couple tactics on MS. It's obviously not as deep as the course, but you know, there's nothing wrong with getting something that's. Free. Thank you for that. And we appreciate you offering that to our audience. So what factors affect my credit score? Yeah, that's an amazing question. So a lot of people don't know. Payment history is the biggest portion of your credit report. Well, we're talking about personal credit right now. We're not even going to talk about business credit. So personal credit, 35% is your payment history. So you want to make sure you're making those payments on time. You want to make sure that you don't have any late payments. If you have late payments, you want to make sure that they are removed. You're going to have to figure out if you want to remove the entire account or just the late payment. Um, 30% is your debt utilization rate. For people that don't know what debt utilization rate means, it's basically it's basically um, the percentage that you're using on your credit cards. So let's say I have a $10,000 credit card and that's all I have. If I use $1,000 out of that, my utilization rate is 10%. So basically, a lot of people say that um, you want to be at less than, you want to be at 30%. But to me, if you're, if you're where you're supposed to be at, you're supposed to be less than 10%. So you want to be single digits, essentially. So I say 9% and down. That's how I, that's how I um, teach my people. So uh, 15% as well is going to be your age. So your age is the average length of history that you have. So we covered payment history, 35%. 30% is uh, your utilization rate. You know, you want to be less than 10%. And then 15% is going to be the average age. So the age is really important because it shows these lenders, these banks, you know, Bank of America, Chase, all of them, credit unions. It shows them how long you've been managing credit. So if you only have like one to two years of history, then you're going to look, you're going to look like a risky borrower, basically. So you want to make sure that your age is where it's supposed to be. If you don't have at least maybe four or five years of history and you're in the process where you want to get funding, you should consider being added as an authorized user on a trade line. Um, that is something that can beef up your age a little bit if you're, if you're about to go for funding or apply for different credit cards. Also, with that 15%, you'll want to also keep in mind that every time you get a new credit card, your age is going to reset. So if I have an average age of like five years, then I get a new credit card. Obviously, that credit card is less than a month old. So that's going to factor into your age. So 35 plus 30, 65 plus a 15, um, we're at 80. 10% is going to be new credit or what we call inquiries. So there's things called hard inquiry, inquiries and there's things called soft inquiries. So basically, whenever you apply for credit and they pull your report, that that's basically a hard inquiry. But you looking at your report, that's not... 
that's not um, a hard inquiry. That's a soft inquiry. So we're, we're at 90% now. So the final 10% is your credit mix. They want to know what types of accounts you have because you don't want to just have only one type of account. So when I say that, you want to have revolving accounts, which are like credit cards. You want to have installment loans as well, which are like student loans and things of that nature. So this is that's that's where student loans come into play and can be good to add a good credit mix to your profile. But you don't want to obviously have bad payment history on them because payment history is at 35%. So yeah, you want to just make sure you have that good payment history. Your utilization rate should be low. Um, don't be applying too much for stuff as far as the inquiries. You want to make sure you have a good age because that's going to be 15%. And you just want to make sure you have a good credit mix. You want to have auto loan history as well. And that's pretty much what makes up your personal credit report. It's it's mainly five factors. And what is the difference between a credit score and a credit report? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have a pretty popular episode on my podcast where I said your credit score doesn't matter. And basically, a lot of times we see people focus on the score and they'll be like, oh, I have good credit because I have a 780. But their file might be thin, their file or their credit report. So the credit report is focused on the data points. And basically with your score, you could have like a 780 versus somebody that has a 680. But if that 680 person is hitting all the data points I just spoke about, you know, the payment history, um, their age, their utilization rate is low, they have a good mix of accounts, then they're going to get approved quicker than someone that just has that 780. Maybe they just added a 20-year trade line and their age is good, but they don't have any mix of accounts. So their report or their file is going to be thin. So it's really about understanding to focus on the data points versus the score because the data points are going to be the determining factor in those approvals. You could stroke your ego to have a 800, but if you if you don't structure it in the correct manner, you're only going to go so far. And what's the point of credit if you're not getting approvals and, you know, doing manufacturer spending, starting a business for free, leveraging that credit, right? So you just want to make sure that you focus on the data points and then the score will be a byproduct. Let's talk about um, what age should you start teaching your kids about credit? Yeah, so I believe that you should teach your kids as early as possible. Me personally, I didn't get my first credit card until I was like 20 years old. And even when I had that credit card, I, I wasn't really educated on on the importance of credit. So I think as early as your kids can grasp the concept of credit, I would definitely start educating them, um, whether it's five years old or something, you know, just just start feeding little bits and bits it doesn't have to be like super technical stuff but just understanding like um through simple examples like this is credit if i give this to you you know there's going to be interest if you don't if you're not responsible with it and credit can allow you to do things for free just just showing things because we we all know that kids they don't necessarily kids are smart they don't necessarily pay attention to what they're going to hear. They're going to pay attention to what they see. So showing them physically, 
Like this is what credit can get you. This is what credit does. And that will allow that will allow kids and just our generation to be more elevated. That's why I go so hard with talking about credit, because I know that when I was younger, I wasn't put onto game like this. So I just want to be that person that I needed when I was younger. So as early as possible is what I think. What, what, what would your opinion? I agree. I think that um, I think that you could start talking to your kids about um, and that's the next that will parlay into the next question about um, credit and money, depending on um, introducing them at whatever age they can understand. So I think more so about the money piece is you could start them young, you know, even if it's something like, you know, they have a bank and you're psychologically teaching them while they're adding money to the bank, you know, and um, one of the strategies that I used to do with my son was um, I would give him a certain amount of money and we would go to the store. And so like, say if I gave him $2 or $3 and if he went over his budget, he would have to put everything back. So it would teach him to add in his head, okay, how much can I spend based on my budget? That's a great idea. I like that. Yeah. So, so, and then I would also teach him to pay himself first. You know, like I would say, you want to pay, like if someone gave him money, you want to save 10%. You want to give tithes and offerings or to a charity. And then mm-hmm. you have 80% to spend, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of you have the whole 100%. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Talking about money and children, how do you teach children about money or would you recommend teaching children about money? So when it comes to credit, that's kind of where the next thing for me is as far as, you know, educating kids. Cause right now my, my clientele aren't, they're not babies like that. So, you know, I just, I communicate to them how I communicate to them, but the way I would communicate to a child is just just throwing little bits and pieces. It would it would be it would be basically the same way that I communicate to my clients currently, but just not as advanced. Because some people might be like, oh, you know, it's, it's a kid. Talk to them like they're a kid. But I think that I think I think if they, even if they're super young, like maybe five to seven, they can grasp s- simple concepts. So something like saying credit is where you're borrowing something and you know you have to pay it back so you just want to make sure that you're responsible essentially and got an example that you gave maybe doing something like an allowance and then just monitoring the progress of how it goes like okay you have this but don't overspend or overspend just kind of monitoring them so that's kind of how I would navigate around that. And I think that it doesn't necessarily have to be super technical, but just exposing them to something. Because once they get to that technical stuff, it's like they've been already training towards it. So it, it wouldn't be that deep of a concept for them to grasp. I think just having the conversation in the first place, because it's so common not to have a conversation. Like I got my first credit card at 20. I wasn't even 
knowing the importance of that. So I think if I just had a conversation of you use this responsibly, you know, have less than 10%, they say less than 30%, but have less than 10% utilization rate, then I would, I would have been in that mindset like, oh, okay, I have this $5,000 credit card. I don't want to spend more than $500. I don't want to spend more than $500. So that means I have to be responsible with my spending. So just not, not necessarily having to dumb it down to the extreme, but just having that conversation in the first place. That's how I would communicate with the Everyone is dying to know, or I'll say I am dying to know, how did you pay off your student loan debt a year after college? Yeah, so student loans, yeah, a lot of people have been asking about that. So yeah, that was back when I was 23. So first of all, I just have belief in myself. Um, I have a relationship with God and I constantly work on that. So for me personally, it started in the spirit and just believing I could do it because if you don't believe that you could do something, you already defeated yourself. If I believed I can't do something, then I can't do, do that thing. If I believe that I can do something, I believe I can do that thing. And I, and I'll give testament to just the way I was raised because I was taught growing up that I could basically do anything. So you know, I'm going to walk around thinking that I can do anything. So it started with that belief in myself. And then on top of that, you obviously, you got to physically do it. So I put out a plan. My plan was I'm going to eliminate these student loans within a year because I know that I'm going to transition into the financial space, coaching people as far as financial coaching and things of that nature. So it was pressure on me to actually do it because I knew where I wanted to be headed. Because I was thinking, I was like, who am I to be coaching people if I if I ain't even eliminate, you know, my loans how I was supposed to? So that that was um, some added pressure that helped me. And then at the end of the day, a lot of people make it too deep than what it is. I just executed. So I believed in myself. I planned it out. Then I executed. So I had um, my job. But on top of that, which I always believe everybody should have, I had an additional stream of income. I had a couple additional streams of income. Nothing too serious, but just the fact that I had additional income coming in besides my job, it allowed me to make my plan a reality that much quicker because you can only go so far with save, just saving money. You can't save yourself out of doing something such as like, you know, paying off your student loans quickly. So just managing multiple streams of income, just full on believing in myself, communicating with God, having that plan, sticking to it, putting pressure on myself, putting a deadline. That's the main thing. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to pay off my student loans. But when do we have an exact date? Do we have, um, is it Pacific time? Like how, how are you, how are you going to actually do it? What is the time? What is the date and everything? Like when you give yourself that deadline, you know that you got to actually work towards it. So it's like, okay, I, I know I'm going to do it in a year. It's going to be February 5th or whenever. It was actually February 5th. I think when I um, eliminated it. So we're coming up on that anniversary, but yeah, just really, just, just really being aggressive towards it. So talk about business credit versus personal credit and which one do I establish first and why? Yeah. So business credit versus personal credit. First of all, business credit is what I recommend everybody should work towards because you don't necessarily want to put everything in your name just based off of the simple fact that 
there is liability associated with that. And not just that, but you could do more with your business because I can have a personal account, but then I can have a business account for LLCA, but then I can create LLC, B, C, D, et cetera. So you see how with business, you can multiply yourself because you're only one person, but your business can be, you can have a hundred businesses if you want. So first, the first point I'll say is that people should work towards business credit. Another difference is that when we talk about the utilization rate, utilization rate being 30% of your personal credit report, that's a huge chunk. Your business side, when you use your credit cards, it, it doesn't report to your personal. So that's a, that's a good thing that's not too much of a headache versus the whole 30% on the personal side. So that's, a, that's an additional reason why I would recommend people go to business credit. As far as which one to establish first, you could build up both at the same time, to be honest. But if you're going to go for one first, I would say your personal credit. The main reason why I would say establish both is because business credit is going to take time. It takes time to establish. So why not start trying to establish it while you're fixing your credit? Fixing your credit takes time. If fixing your credit, like removing the negative items, if it's going to take like 90 days to 120 days and you haven't even started on your business credit, you might as well start on your business credit because by the time that 90 to 120 days goes by, you've already saved, you know, three to four months of time just by doing both at the same time. You could do both at the same time because they're technically separate. But as far as if you're just going to PG, which is personal guarantor, your personal credit has to be right. That's why personal credit is the foundation. Because when you apply for business funding, such as like when I when I got a business auto loan from Bank of America, I had to PG a personal guarantor. So they looked at my personal credit and a personal guarantor. I'm basically saying with my personal credit, I'm backing my business. I'm supporting my business. I'm co-signing for my business and saying, uh, OK, I'm, I'm over here with my credit profile. I'm co-signing this business to get this take out this loan. But on the, on the other side, with the business side, you can operate as EIN only. EIN is like your business's social security number. So you can operate in the fact of where you establish and build your business credit with different uh, net 30, net, net 90 accounts and things like that. You have to use different vendor accounts to build up your business credit. If you structure your business credit in that manner, you take the time to do all that, you can operate as just applying for EIN so then you don't have to do a personal guarantor. So it really depends on people's preference because I get a lot of people ask me about the car situation. Should I get a vehicle in my personal name? Should I get it in my business name? And it really just comes to the conversation of what your goal is, because we know with credit, you want to have a, you want to have a well-rounded profile. So when it comes to the personal side, they want to see auto loan history on there. Auto loan history means that you've paid off a loan. So if you've never paid off a loan on your personal side, and you're wondering, should you take out an auto loan in your personal or business side? If you want to establish getting a lot of approvals, like higher tier approvals with the personal side, you're going to want to have some auto loans reporting on the personal side. But if you don't care about that, you can go ahead and get it on the business side. It's not going to report to your personal and it's going to be in your business name. Now you have something that you could write off as far as the payments and things like that. And we know if it's over a certain amount of pounds, you know, that could be a full write-off. So it's just really about how you want to move forward with it.
It's preference. But you can build both at the same time. And how do you dispute something that's on your credit? So there's multiple ways that you can dispute something. You can send out letters. Uh, we have letters. There's different, there's different tactics. So one thing we do at CAP, we educate people about the different consumer laws of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, because the Fair Credit Reporting Act is what governs all this credit reporting stuff. And the code for the Fair Credit Reporting Act is 15 U.S.C. 1681. Um, I know a lot of people aren't really aware of the different laws that they could use, such as one of them being um, 15 U.S.C. 1681B number two. It talks about nothing should be published on your credit report unless it's unless you've given the bureau's written instructions. So those are more advanced tactics. What you would do is you would draft up a dispute letter and then you would send it to the bureaus. But if you just want to do traditional credit repair, which is what we do as well, you would just dispute the inaccuracy. It really depends on what you're disputing. If it's um, an inquiry on the experience side, you can literally call up, you know, to get it removed if it's not tied to an open account. Um, if if it had to do with identity theft, you know, you could submit an FTC report. Um, you could also go to the CFPB. You could submit a CFPB complaint, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They're basically people that protect consumers as far as, you know, Fair Credit Reporting Act and things like that. So there's various ways that you could do it. But the main thing is it, the main thing is submitting letters and you can do it online or mail it out to the bureau that, you know, you're disputing with, it could be Experian, it could be TransUnion, it could be Equifax. And we also have, we have deletion letters on our website, cataccessllc.com, but we also have done for you credit repair services because we know everybody doesn't necessarily have the patience nor, I guess, feel like actually doing all of these disputes. So the way you dispute kind of depends on what you're disputing. If it's a collection, you know, you can first start off by requesting a debt validation letter because under the FDCPA, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which is 15 U.S.C. 1692, um, debt is defined as an obligation of a consumer to pay or an alleged obligation. So if you don't categorize it as your obligation, you can request for debt validation. And at 15 U.S.C. 1692G, it talks about the five different things that need to be satisfied in order for a debt to be validated. But at the end of the day, only you and I, the consumers, can validate a debt. So it's, it's a lot of different tactics. Um, I try not to, I try to slow down when I'm talking about the law because I know that not many people are used to that. But as far as the traditional credit repair methods, you can send out different dispute letters, validation of debt, um, inquiries, you can call them, you can send out um, identity theft report. Uh, because with the law, identity theft means, you know, no consent. So if you didn't give them consent to put that item on your report, then by federal law, by definition, that is, you know, identity theft. So you can go about it um, that way. So the main thing is just figuring out what type of account you need to get rid of and then going about it that way. When we talk about like, a, let me talk about payment, late payments. So with late payments, it's different because what you could do is you can you can actually call up the company and request that they remove the late payment. If they don't, the next step you can do, you can send a goodwill letter just kind of saying, you know, it's hard times or something and just kind of let them know what's going on. Just communicate. And if that doesn't work, what you can do is you can send a letter to the CEO 
of the company. I have a, I have a resource where it has the CEO contacts of different institutions. Um, so if anybody were to reach out to me, I could send that to you. And if that doesn't work, then me personally, that's when I, I would go to the law. So, you know, these different 15 USC codes I'm actually talking about. But like I said, we have deletion letters on our website. So you can just copy and paste for your own situation. Well, I wouldn't say copy and paste, get inspiration because I don't believe in, um, I don't believe in just, you know, copying verbatim because everybody's situation is different. And on top of that, I would say everybody should be aware of the E-Oscar system. That's basically when you send in your dispute letter and then you get an automatic, oh, this item was verified or something like that. So the E-Oscar system is just some electronic thing where they automate the response that they give you because you got to think it's billions of people sending dispute letters. So they're, they're going to want to automate the process. Sort of, so the way that you could do to bypass the e-Oscar system, what I tell people to do is just when you're about to send out your letters, just highlight different words on it because that's going to throw off the e-Oscar system and then it has to get to an actual person. So then they're going to have to um, look at your dispute. So just a tap that you can be aware of. My podcast, The Cat Podcast, we have over 40 episodes, you know, walking you through different credit tactics and all that. So I can't even say everything, you know, within an hour or however long we're here because, you know, the podcast has hours and hours and hours of information. Our website has a lot of information. So, yeah, that's. That was huge. Thank you for that. No problem. And so when you talk about um, when you're talking about credit, can I or can a person get a loan or a credit card? with bad credit? Um, Technically, you can, but it depends on what we're considering as bad credit. So there's always going to be different companies that might lend to you, but it's like, if you do get a loan, the interest rate is going to be very, very disrespectful. So my recommendation is to focus on fixing that credit because... A lot of people look at it as like, oh, credit repair is expensive. But the fact of the matter is having bad credit is expensive, even even if it doesn't seem like it. Because on an auto loan, if you have good credit, you know, less than 4%, you're going to want that as your APR rate. But if you don't have good credit, you might be paying upwards of 16 to 25% or something like that. So you start to do the math. It's going to add up. It, it might not look like it adds up because it's, you know, monthly, but that interest is adding up. So my my main recommendation is that people focus on fixing that credit whatever you know bad credit means to them if you feel like your credit needs to be improved i would say focus on it because it's only going to save you in the long run versus rushing to try and get an approval for something and then you know you don't know what your your rate is going to be or you just keep getting denied left and right or you know if you have somebody that you trust go ahead and see if they they could kind of help you with getting that but you know there's always a risk to that and um that person might not want to take that out in their name or something so the main thing just focus on building that personal credit to where that you don't have to necessarily worry like okay i have bad credit and all that and one thing one thing i'll say too is that with bad credit there's nothing wrong with having bad credit because a lot of a lot of times like i said i didn't get my first credit card till i was 20 so it's like i wasn't educated on a lot of these topics and I know a lot of people within our community aren't educated on a lot of these topics. 
And I even just had a consultation for credit repair with, you know, an older um, client and, you know, he wasn't educated on these topics as well. So I say that to say there's nothing wrong with having bad credit. And a lot of times I like to say we should look at the word credit. Credit has the word edit. So it means we could always change it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think people should feel bad about having a bad credit. Just do something about it. If you know that you have bad credit and you're not doing anything about it, then that's when you should feel bad. But don't necessarily be judging yourself. Look at the word credit. It can always be. I like that. That's really good. And so um, how often is a person's credit score updated? So the credit score is updated um, once a month. So a monthly cycle. So you'll see, like if you sign up for Experian.com, you're going to see that when you log in, it's updated every 30 days. And if you have different credit card accounts, you might have different dates, but it's going to be updated every every month, basically. So maybe one is updated on February 5th, one's updated on February 16th, you know, just depending on when your actual accounts are with the statement date and closing dates as far as the credit credit card accounts. But yeah, once once uh, once a month. So with the whole dispute thing, that's why credit takes time, because it's like you're disputing. It's not going to be updated until the next 30, 30 days. So with the pandemic, did they make any changes or leniency in the credit, in our in our credit, like the credit scores or anything to help consumers out? So one thing that they did was they allowed, well, they still are, they're allowing consumers to be able to look at their all three credit reports once a week you know, for free until April of 2022, because one of the biggest things is actually knowing what's on your credit. So that, that is a, that's a cheat code right there just to be able to get your scores weekly and see what's going on. So if you go to free annual you can get all three of your reports from Experian, TransUnion and Equifax at least once a week until um, April of 2022. They may extend it because I know that during the pandemic, they did it until April, 2021. And then they extended it to April, 2022. Also with um, what I've seen too, with the whole late payment thing, like I was walking through earlier about how you can remove them. With the whole COVID thing, if you've had late payments during COVID, I've seen clients use COVID as, you know, an example of why the late payments need to be removed. So there's been some lenience on that end. And besides that, those are really the main ones that I can think of off the top of my head. I probably, if anything, if there's more, I'm sure I talk about it on my podcast. But right now, the main thing is the fact that you can you can consistently check your credit more versus um, to prior times. And then, you know, those late payments, you can use COVID as an example. You can use COVID as an example in your disputes, to be honest. It's really just up to how you frame your your. Tell us more about your podcast and why did you start? Yeah, so my podcast is called the Consumer Ammunition Tactics Podcast, CAP Podcast. And the reason why I started it was just based off of the fact that, you know, I'm educating people a lot about different things about credit. 
different things like, you know, manufacturer spending that I, I recently figured out about different topics. I feel like we should have been known. So I know that a podcast will live on forever. So one of the things I always say about cat is that we care about three things. If you go to the website, you'll see it. We care about three things. It's law, leverage, and legacy. So the podcast is really that legacy aspect. Um, assuming, you know, podcasts are still here. It should be here for the next decade and, and so on. And um, unless they adopt a new system versus credit, but I don't, I don't see that happening. But anything's possible. But basically, I wanted to just have a, an area where people could learn and do, do for themselves. They don't, so they don't necessarily have to be dependent on me. Um, there's 40 something episodes on there. We talked about the f- different factors of credit. We talk, we break down the different consumer laws. So it goes deeper into the big three I was talking about, or I talked about a couple of them. So I talked about the FDCPA, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which is 15 USC 1692. That's a US code. Um, the Fair Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is 15 USC 1681. And then I also talk about the Truth and Lending Act, which is 15 USC 1602, uh, which, is, which governs credit. So we covered the different laws on there too, covered different methods of how you could dispute, removing inquiries. I have an episode for how you can remove inquiries from each bureau. So three episodes on that. Um, And just giving people no excuse not to be able to take control of their credit situation. Because I know number one is just having, just having that, that reminder. And that's why I upload weekly. And I've, I've been very consistent with that since August of last year. When I first started, I started it last April, actually. When I first started, I was still finding my flow. And I found I was consistent around um, August. And then I started bringing on guests as well towards the end of 2021. So if you go and listen, you'll see different guests that I brought on. I brought on credit repair specialists. I brought on consumer law experts. I brought on business credit experts. I brought on, you know, various people and I'll, I'll continue to bring them on and it's going to expand not just the credit but people uh in terms of how they're actually leveraging that credit maybe to get that airbnb uh start start a turo rental business you know get into real estate for pennies and things like that so it was mainly a legacy piece it was mainly giving people no excuses not to get access to the information and i know that to work with me it's not it's not going to be the easiest price is not going to be free. So I wanted to have, like I said, no excuses for people to get access to the information. So they could go on there. Um, there's different manufacturer spending tactics. Like I said, you know, the course is out, but there's free information on there too. So I just wanted to give people as much information as I possibly could get. I just want to be seen everywhere so that people can know the importance of credit. Because if they see me just on one avenue, just on Instagram or something, but I, but they now see me okay he's on a podcast he's uploading weekly not only does that bring more of an awareness but it but it might subconsciously in their head be like okay this this actually means something that he's actually talking about this consistently and then it's just that it's just that morning coffee because it's uploaded weekly so it's a a reminder for people i have different mindset episodes where i just you know give people the mindset because i know a lot of people get impatient about fixing their credit so that's just a little bit of um, why I decided to start it. it. Has a lot of episodes, forty something episodes so far. So I definitely recommend people tap in. You can go to catacticsllc.com. That's where we have everything. If you just scroll down to services, you'll see Cat Podcast. You can start listening from there. Binge listen to it. 
you'll learn a lot of information. I, I guarantee. That's some good stuff, Michael. And I definitely, from one podcaster to the to the next, I definitely recommend that they check that out because you're dropping some huge value bombs on my podcast here. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so thinking about that, one of the questions that um, in your bio, you talked about how to start a business for free. And I know everyone wants to know, how can we start a business for free? Show me the Okay, number one is prioritize your credit. So this is what you're going to want to do. Go to catacticsllc.com. I have a free document for y'all. Four steps to building a perfect credit profile. Four steps to building a perfect credit profile. You're going to want to grab that document, that free document. Grab that free document. Understand it. It's going to let you know the four steps you need to do. So once you do those four steps, whether you got to build or repair your credit or both, now we're ready to go for funding. When I say funding, I'm talking about credit card funding. The reason why we care about credit card funding is that our goal is to get business funding. When we get to business funding, business funding is going to depend on our personal funding being where it's supposed to be at. They're going to look at the highest personal credit cards you have, and then they're going to determine your business credit cards as far as your business funding based off of that. So number one, you know, we, we got the free document. We fixed our credit. We pulled our credit reports. We're listening to the CAP podcast. We're doing what we need to do. We build up, you know, a great credit profile. We satisfied 100% payment history. That's 35%. We have less than 10% utilization rate. You know, that's 30% of your report. We have a good credit mix. We got the credit builder guide from the website. You know, we sign up for all the accounts that we need to. We have the good credit mix. We have auto loan history reporting. We have um, revolving accounts. We have installment accounts. We don't have too many new credit, too much new credit, which our inquiries, that's 10%. And then our average age is where it's supposed to be. If we don't have the average age where it's supposed to be, we get access to trade lines and we're, we're pretty much good to go. But all that is in the four steps to build a perfect credit profile. Once we build that perfect credit profile, like I said, we're going to go for funding. We have the uh, CAT Credit Funding Secrets ebook, which you can get on the website as well if you don't know what cards you should go for. But by the time you're done with the funding, you should at least have 50,000 plus in personal credit. So once that is satisfied, now we're gonna go on to the business side. If we don't wanna take the time to actually build up our business credit with like the net 30s and all of that, we have a good credit profile, good personal credit profile. So why not just PG everything that we need to do? Cause we're trying to start a business for free. So now what we do, we do our research, figure out what, banks we want to hit as far as the business credit uh one bank that i like it's not in every state but one bank that i like is a uh, key bank so key bank they be giving out the bag so you you know that's something worth considering there's also different uh credit unions that's what i recommend everybody does look at local credit unions ask them what are their business credit cards right and the main thing you want to be aware of with these business credit cards ask them is there a zero percent introductory period is there a 0% introductory period? A lot of these business credit cards, credit cards, they have a 0% interest period from, it can range from six months up to like 20 months or something. So you got to think if you have a 0% interest card, 0% interest for 20 months and you get 
$20,000 on that card. If you can't flip that money, then you're, you're in the wrong business. So you just got to really understand that. So once you establish that personal credit, you're going to go for the business funding. Once you get the business funding, the business funding, the business credit, when I say funding, the business credit cards, they're going to be dependent on your highest limits on the personal side. I spoke about Alliant Credit Union earlier. The lowest limit you can get from them, if you get an approval, is $10,000. The lowest limit you can have on a credit card from them is $10,000. So it's about doing the research and figuring out the different cards to actually help you get to that next level. So if I have a $10,000 Alliant Credit Union card, let's say my lowest limit is Alliant $10,000, right? My my highest on the personal side, I have a $25,000 card, but let's just, for the sake of conversation, let's say I have a $10,000 Alliant personal credit card. That's my highest limit. So what I'm going to see on the business side, they're going to see like, okay, this guy has managed a $10,000 card and it's not guaranteed, but it's going to be more likely that I get a higher limit, right? So I, so I, on the business side, I might get at least 10, 15, 20,000. So now what we do with the card, we see it's 0% for 12 months, 0% for a year. If we have a $10,000 business credit card, we can max it out knowing that it doesn't report to the personal side. So you can take that $10,000 off using manufactured spending. Some people might be like, how do I pull off the money off of the card? This is why we released the CAP Manufactured Spending Secrets course. You see everything is aligned. Everything works as a unit. So you need to get the CAT MS Secrets course or you need to listen to the free episodes we have on a podcast to figure out how to actually take the money off of those credit cards. Once you take the $10,000 off that credit card, you have 0% for 12 months. You're probably only, your minimum payment is probably only going to be $100 per month. And you're able to take that $10,000. You can go start an Airbnb. Um, if you need more capital, you know, just, just multiply it. But I think $10,000 is enough to start an Airbnb. It's enough for, you know, down payment you need on a car for Turo. And then once your car is out out there being rented, you know, you'll make the money back and things like that. You can go invest into some cryptocurrency if you wanted that if if you know what you're doing, because, you know, it's very risky. The market's crazy right now. Um, you can invest in trading options and just different just different investments. You can get you can get a you can put a down payment on a house, get into real estate and things like that. But the real play is focusing on that personal credit, getting that right. And I'm making sure that influences the business credit, max, maxing out your business credit cards, knowing that they don't report. If you get into something like Airbnb or Turo, you know that after you make that initial $10,000 payment, you're going to be getting one to 2000 at least per month here and there. So you pay down the credit card. You have 0% interest for a year. So you're going to be in the green before the year is even up. If it's um, 1000 on the lowest end, within 10 months, you know, you're already, the 11th month, you're back in the green. So just really um, understand how to actually play around that. System. Talk to the, the business owner and they have really good credit. They have personal credit, business credit, and they're looking for um, funding or they're looking, they're looking for capital, a million plus for real estate investments. What is your suggestion for? If they're looking for a million plus, um, what I would say is they should establish multiple LLCs. So if they establish multiple LLCs and they know that they can get at least, you know, a hundred thousand in funding, that could be a mix of business credit cards, 
and lines of credit, then it's just a matter of a numbers game. Not to say that you can't do it with one LLC, but when we're talking about like a million and all that, that's that that's getting in the realm of like corporate credit, and there's a lot. Of, that's a whole different conversation. But if they're just if they're just um if they're if they're a you know just like a normal business, not like a multi million dollar big corporate company, then they can establish multiple LLCs and just just duplicate the process because. Once you do it with one LLC, you're going to be able to multiply it, whether you're establishing, taking the time to establish the business credit or you're actually doing a PG, you're going to be able to um, multiply it. And the thing, too, about business credit, we understand that whatever inquiry you get when you PG, you can remove it because it's not tied to an open account. So you could always remove that inquiry. So if I have three inquiries. I get a business credit inquiry. Now I have four inquiries. I could just remove it because it's not tied to an open account. I can repeat the process. So it's just a matter of repeating the process. So if they're if they're thinking of, oh, I need a million in funding, I would say take it in bite-sized pieces, maybe $50,000 chunks or $100,000 chunks. So that's a way that they could actually get around that situation. And I would I would say make it a mix of, lines of credit and business credit cards. I prefer business credit cards just because of the 0% interest, but you know, if you're if you need that much capital, then you can you can definitely get into getting a lines of credit as well. So, on your strategy, if they're opening multiple um, LLCs, won't they need a history on those businesses for them to give them um, large sums of money? Yeah, so a lot of times they say you want to have at least two years of history. And it's like a yes and no thing. You can still get funded for a business that is two years plus, but you can also get funded for a business that is newer. And I tested it out because when I got my auto loans, my business auto loan and business credit cards um, through KeyBank, I took my business that was, it was established in 2019. So this was last year. So it was, it was about two years old at the time. So, you know, I satisfied that data point, but I also had, I took a 2021 business and because my personal credit was so strong, you know, I was able to get the same approvals essentially. So I've seen that and I've heard that, but just based off of, you know, my own experience from what I, from what I did, it's not always the case. And it's, it's going to be harder if you are a new business, like, don't get me wrong, but it's still possible to do. You just got to find the right banks that are going to not overlook it. And maybe, maybe, maybe what helped me in that situation was the fact that I took my two-year LLC first. So they saw me come back again and, you know, maybe they just assumed like, okay, he had a two-year LLC, so he should be good to go. I don't know, but yeah, the two years thing is something to be aware of as well, but it's not, it's not like a make or break. It's not like you're not going to get funding at all. It's just that it could be harder for you to get funding. So you're going to work a little bit harder. But one way around that, you could always purchase um, an aged corporation, but you got to really do your due diligence on that. Because I, I haven't per- personally purchased um, an aged corporation just because I just used my LLC, LLC that was a two years old. I thought that was good enough. But just just do your due diligence because sometimes you might not know if the LLC has like taxes on it and stuff that has, hasn't been paid. So there's always a way around everything, but just do your due diligence on everything and just understand even if your LLC isn't two years old, there's a way around it. Maybe you know someone around you 
that has a two year plus LLC and you can go from there, but it's not a make or break. So- Great information. Michael, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and That's a great question. So the question I would ask myself is I guess the question I would ask myself is why do people not take their credit seriously? And the way I would answer it is basically just awareness, because like I said, I didn't get my first credit card until I was like 20 years old. So I just didn't know. It just comes down to one of those things that you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know what you don't know, you're going to keep not knowing what you don't know until you're exposed to certain information. So that's why, you know, go so hard with helping people be aware about credit. That's why I'm, uh, you know, being interviewed here. Um, That's why I have my podcast. That's why I have the CA Tactics LLC.com website. That's why I put out the Cat Manufactured Spending Secrets course, you know, because it's like manufactured spending, that's free money right there. You're getting paid for having good credit just by executing these different tactics that we're, we're not necessarily taught about in the community growing up. So I just wanted to... I just I just want to continue to, you know, apply pressure so that people can really understand the importance of that credit, because I think it's just a lack of awareness. It's not that it's not that people don't necessarily want to reap the benefits of it. I think it's just lack of awareness, lack of awareness of how it works, lack of awareness of how the system works and things like that, because it could be it could be very confusing if you're not if you're not um, coached into it. So. Yeah, that's the question I would ask myself. Why do people not, I guess, care about their credit or focus on We've come to the part of our interview. It's called um, Fun Facts Lightning Round. And I'm going to give you a series of questions and I want you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the fun facts lightning round? Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> Your first job. My first job, I was a student assistant. I was like, I was counting the amount of desks in each of the classes. And when I was done, I would I would, I would go into office. I would do some scheduling stuff. I would do my homework. I was a chemical engineer, so, you know, I had a lot of homework. And yeah. Your favorite color. Gold, orange, I'm going to do colors. Gold, orange, red. Your favorite holiday? My birthday. Your ideal car? Uh, Lamborghini. Your favorite dance song? My favorite dance song? Not applicable. Your favorite singer or rapper? Uh, rappers, I'll say I'll say Kendrick Lamar and Young Thug. What food you eat every week, no matter what? I eat rice and stew. I'm Nigerian, so you know I got to get that rice and stew in. 
<laughs> Work out or hit the couch? Work out most definitely. <laughs> Michael Benjamin, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. And before thank we you. let you go, share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you, for them to connect with your course, and leave all your social media handles. Yeah, so definitely appreciate you, Dr. Uh, Francis Richardson, for allowing me to be on the platform. Y'all can reach out to me by going to catacticsllc.com. You can book a free credit repair consultation or tap into any of our DIY products. Um, you can get the CAP Manufacturer Spending Secrets course over there. Um, like I said earlier in the episode, if you go to checkout and you, you type in the code cat ms 22 for the first 22 people you know you're gonna get 900 off it's it's the course is a thousand dollars so you'll get 900 off and you'll get it for uh, 97 so um that's something you can do as well and then i'm on instagram at mike o benjamin m-i-c-h-o-b-e-n-j-a-m-i-n m-i-c-h-o-b-e-n-j-a M-I-N, catacticsllc.com. That's where you can reach us. And yeah, that's that. Thank you, Michael. That's a wrap. Thank you.